Stinging waves, fox spear, lock is action, very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beat your bad left, Edward is an idiot. Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex hat, Q has had enough of that. Beat me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, January 19th, 2023, and this is episode 511. It happens to be our third show of 2023, so I hope 2023 is going well for you. Kapla. We have 121,585 downloads of this podcast so far, so thank you so much for making that happen. And uh, because Star Trek is on kind of a hiatus for the next couple of weeks, it gives us an opportunity to catch up on some of the things that we can't do while Star Trek is, is running on show. So we used to have a Monday show called Comic Corner, and since we have an opening tonight, welcome to Comic Corner. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard, issue number three, the finale, and Star Trek Lower Decks, issue number three, the finale of that series as well. So if you're a Picard fan or a Lower Decks fan, this is the show for you. If you're a comic book fan, this is the show for you. We're going to have a lot of fun. These are some really good books, so. We're definitely going to talk about some great stuff. But before, before we go too far, I want to introduce to you guys my awesome, awesome Trek experts. And we'll start off with Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, man, I am doing pretty good, you guys. Uh, had a good day. Uh, you know, we're just kind of in the middle of winter here. It was fun to go back and read these comics over again, Lower Decks having come out not too long ago. But Picard came out uh, last November, so I brushed up on it again, and these were good series. I can't wait to talk about them. It's going to be fun. It's definitely <laughs> going to be fun. we got some good stuff to cover. And uh, we don't, we're missing the rest of our Portland crew tonight, so let's just swing on over to Las Vegas, where we have our very own Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, winter. Reminds me a bit of a Eric kind of winter. We are back to cold and uh, cold, cloudy, and trying to rain as we're getting remnants of the next days of that storm that hit California before. Well, let me tell you, here in Vermont, where Uncle Jim is stationed, uh, we're expecting 8 to 10 inches of snow. Right now, we got sleet and freezing rain outside, and the temperature is plummeting. So, uh, yeah, I'm really Uh, excited about that. Oh, you're welcome, Jim. That's the storm that, uh, that's the last storm that drowned California. Yeah, we're, I, I'm, I'm psyched. 
So uh, <laughs> listen, guys, I, I got to tell you um, about this really, really awesome convention called Alien Con. Alien Con is back. Join us March 4th through 5th at the Pasadena Convention Center for a weekend of exploration and meet your favorite experts from ancient aliens, the secret of Skidwalker Ranch, the unexplained, and the proof is out there. Tickets at thealiencon.com. So we still have weekend passes to give away to you guys. I'm surprised that nobody is interested in this. If, if I lived in Pasadena or if it wasn't on the other side of the country, I would be there for sure. And uh, I've got a pair of tickets in my hand that I want to give to you. Now, it doesn't matter if you're listening live right now on Thursday night. That doesn't matter. Maybe you're listening to us on Friday. Maybe you're listening to us on Saturday. Maybe you're listening to us on Tuesday. It doesn't matter, okay? Because all you have to do is tell us why you want these tickets. And, Eric, how can they tell us? How can they get these awesome tickets for free? Well, we have a really cool website that we have launched just in the last month or two. It is located at trektalking.com. And when you go to that website, there is just a microphone icon in that lower right-hand corner. And if you click on that icon, it allows you to record a little message to us. Um, Jim gives you plenty of time to say as little or as much as you want, but record that message, and the first person to do that shall be granted access to these awesome tickets that I also would use if I was in Pasadena. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. Now, we gave away an autographed picture of Sarah Mitch, who um, was on Star Trek Discovery as Lieutenant Arium, and uh, Leslie Sawyer left us a message and I dropped a picture, an autographed picture in the mail to her. It was that simple and painless. So please, if, if you're interested in I don't know if, you, if, do you guys follow ancient aliens at all? Have you heard anything about the Skinwalker Ranch? Uh, no. Those are not shows that I'm, I'm currently watching. No, I got a lot, you know, there's so much media out there. It's hard to keep up with everything. So I'm not personally watching those right now, but uh, you know, I don't hear bad things. So. Yeah. It's, it's, I just yeah. happened to be flipping through when I saw uh, a story of Skinwalker Ranch and uh, you know, it's interesting. It's very, very interesting. And I think as Star Trek fans, uh, we should all be open-minded enough to give it a listen and give, you know, see what it's all about. So uh, head over to trektalking.com, click on a little blue microphone in the bottom corner, and say, hey, Uncle Jim, I want these tickets because uh, I saw a UFO or whatever. And guess what? The tickets are yours. It's that simple. So please take advantage of this awesome opportunity that um, – Alien Con has given us by making these tickets available to you. So like I said, it doesn't matter if you're listening live right now or if it's Memorex. Just head over to our Facebook page or over to trucktalking.com and tell us why. Very simple, very easy, very, very simple. So please do that if you're interested and I will get these tickets to you. Actually, I, let, me, let me clarify that. They're not tickets. They're digital tickets. So I'll, I will email them to you. That's even better. It's instantaneous. Easy peasy. So with that <coughs> out of the way, 
Um, every week we do fan shout outs. And to get your name on a fan shout out, you just go to our Facebook page and you'll see the Live Long and Prosper pinned to the top. And you just tell us where you're listening from. And every week, yours truly, Uncle Jim, will pick 15 lucky listeners and you will be featured in a future fan shout out. And Charles, Charles, how would our fans, the quickest, easiest way for our fans to get to our Facebook page? Well, most of our fans will already have it saved on their Facebook account, but they can go to chuckdalking.com and click on the link that will send you to the Facebook account. Yes, very simple. Simple is the word of the night. Everything you need to know, you can find out at trektalking.com. So you click there, you go to trektalking.com, and uh, head on over there, click on the Facebook logo, bottom right-hand corner. It's actually above the blue microphone. You click on that, and it will take you right to our Facebook page. Head on over there and uh, tell us where you're listening from. As of right now, we have 106,275 likes on our Facebook page. Wow. So let's let's crank that up there. We'd love to. So anyways, talking about our fan shout outs, um, let's get us started. What do you say, Eric? Do you want to dive right in? Uh, Yes, this is one of my favorite segments of Joe. And the very first place that we are going to launch off to this week, guys, is Nottingham in the UK. We're saying hello and send out a big live long and prosper to Steve Talk out there supporting us just across the pond. Thank you, Steve Talk, for representing Trek Talking over there in Nottingham. Hello also, and a big kapla to Desiree, Desiree Humblet in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, who sends us a little flag uh, from her country. I love that. Netherlands, Holland, Amsterdam. Sounds like an amazing place. Desiree, thank you so much for saying hello to us. We're also saying hello this week to Michelle Carlone in Milan, Italy. Oh, my goodness. I have been to Italy, but I have not been to Milan. I think I need to go back. Uh, So I may give that a go. Michelle, thank you so much for listening to the podcast all the way over there on the big boot in Europe. And my final fan shout-out for this round goes out to Vivi Pennington from Finland up there in Scandinavia. Vivi, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Charles, I know you want to bring it back home to the Midwest, don't you? Oh, definitely. Let's start off with Russell Brown from Central Iowa. Patrick Lynn from Chahuga, Chahuga, Georgia. Cynthia Christ from southwestern Pennsylvania. Went to my first track, first fan convention and only Star Trek convention in Pittsburgh when Rathacon was new. I cool. self-identify as Trekker, not Trekkie. Cliff Stur- Sturgill from Las Vegas, Nevada. Not familiar with Clifford. Maybe he needs to be chasing down a couple of Star Trek ships. David! David? Dave's not here. Oh, well. <laughs> Hot fan, Gene... Yar Yarborough McDowell from Columbia, South Carolina. Roy James Matthew from Alamo Town, Texas. Top fan David Brown from Texas. And top fan Thomas Lubert 
from Fort Pierce, Florida. Paul. 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 Okay, Eric. Paul's not here, man. Paul's not here, man. (laughs) But we would like to say hello this week to Lars Noki. That's right. Lars Noki is listening to us over in Hanover in Lower Saxony in Germany, another one of those countries I would love to go to. So hello, Lars. Thank you for saying hello to us. Top fan David Robertson from Auckland City in New Zealand sends us a little cool icon and a little live long and prosper. Top fan means you, David, of course, interact with us a ton on our Facebook page, and we really appreciate that. We're also saying hello this week to Christian Ortmans from Köln, Germany, another great supporter over there in Germany. Christian, thank you so much. And top fan Kevin Hart is saying hello to us from Puerto Vallarta in Mexico, just south of the border. Jim, let me guess, somebody from New York? Yeah, I wonder I wonder if, uh, if Wanda knows Ray. Ray, uh, Ray calls us from the Bronx all the time. We want to say hello to Wanda Carlisio Boyd, who's listening to us in the Bronx, where our buddy Ray is from. So thank you for listening, Wanda. Top fan April Pruitt from Arkansas. We want to say kapla to Ashley Houston, who's listening to us in Woodinville, Washington. And last, but definitely not least, we want to say kapla to Curtis Solaski, who's in Peoria, Illinois. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And as I said, just want to head over to our Facebook page and uh, click on the Live Long and Prosper, and you will take you right to our uh, Facebook page. So uh, I, I'm having some discussions here about how come people can't find our um, uh Facebook link on our on our page. So go up to the top of the page. Are you guys on the page? Yes. And click three little lines, and you'll get a drop down that says home episodes, videos about blog reviews, sponsors, contact, follow, donate Facebook. And you click on that Facebook, and it will take you right to our page. If you look at it on laptop computer, however, that's on your phone. On your laptop computer. In the bottom right-hand corner, right above the blue microphone, there will be a link on your computer directly to our Facebook page. That link does not appear on your phone. You have to click on the top drop-down bar. Uh, no, it's not, Jim. It's in the upper well, right it is on, I just I found it. it. It is on mine. Yep, we got it. There it is, upper right corner. Yep, it's, it's, it's there. Anyways... Cool. This is the part I wouldn't lie. Oh, I, I, know it's there. I, I put it there, so I know it's there when I designed the page. Okay, the uh, little tiny F in the up next to the follow next to the micro next to the magnifying glass and the follow button. Right, that that little F is the Facebook logo. Right. Easy. Peasy. Yep, it's there. So uh, every week, guys, we do our Star Trek birthdays, which means. We have to hear from Worf. Um, Worf. <laughs> Worf, are you there? Worf. Why is, what is wrong with Worf? Why is Worf not doing his thing? He wants oh, to sing. He's trying he, to. But he's not able he's, to. He's too, grumpy, he's too crumpy today. Let's see. <laughs> he's like, I am not a merry man. 
Yeah, yeah Worf, not married Worf, to the... Worf doesn't want to. Worf doesn't want to play. You know, Jim, it's been far too long since we had any technical difficulties on this show. There it is. Wrong All right, guys, we're going to go with it. That's our special birthday song that we play for special occasions. Um, how that, I don't know what happened, but this is live, so that's what happens. And by the way, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. So you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now, and you can join us live on the air and be part of this mass confusion which is going on. We would love to hear from you anyways so we're going to go with the weird owl introduction because for some reason Worf does not want to play i, I don't know what's wrong with Worf. there it is Yay. that was not a klingon song I think there's gremlins in my iPad. Hundred percent, hundred percent true. Going on, just totally weird. Like it's Friday the Thirteenth or something. I don't know. But that was the song that was supposed to play, not the Weird Al song that did play. And I don't know why that one played. <laughs> but at any rate, here we are back on track. This is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays. And we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who sadly are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we have uh, a pretty good handful of remembrances. Our first one goes out to actor Barry Francis Jenner, who, of course, played Admiral William Ross in the sixth and seventh seasons of Deep Space Nine. And before you ask, yes, he's one of the good ones. In fact, he... I used Admiral Ross as my model admiral uh, in the little admiral talk that I was able to give at Treconderoga last year, saying that, uh, you know, although he, he initially was kind of motivated by fear because of the Dominion invasion, he did not react in a weird way, and he just kind of took the bull by the horns and pushed forward. So great character. I love Admiral Ross fantastically played by Barry Francis Jenner. Um, Barry Francis Jenner on lots of television back in the day, particularly soap operas uh, in the 70s, and then eventually made it on to things like Knots Landing in Dallas in the 80s. Um, actually had a recurring role as a police lieutenant on the, family, on the sitcom Family Matters in the 90s. And uh, I did not know this, but in addition to a very active acting career, he was a reserve police officer for the Los Angeles Police Department for more than 20 years. Uh, unfortunately, lost back in 2016 at the age of 75. Barry Francis Jenner would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday as well to Torin 
uh, Herbert Erskine Thatcher, who played Marplon in TOS's episode, The Return of the Archons. Um, Torrin had a film career that started way back in 1933 and a television career that started about 16 years later in 1949, known for his playing of lots and lots of villains. Um, his career was largely over by the 60s, uh, but uh, he was actually a favorite actor of B-movie science fiction and fantasy director Nathan Juren. So uh, if you know his movies at all, you will find him in some of those. He was also a fan of Irwin Allen's television shows and ended up on Lost in Space, Time Tunnel, things like that. So Torrin would have had a birthday this week as well. Happy birthday. Happy birthday as well to Joanne Linville, who played the the Romulan commander, but not the one you're thinking of. <laughs> the other one, uh, the one who looks really good and has cool eyeshadow. From the TOS episode, one of the best, The Enterprise Incident. Oh, my gosh. What a portrayal. Absolutely. Yeah. The very, that was the uh, third season episode. Um, she was the first female Romulan we ever saw. Um, and what I didn't realize was that the uh, original writer of the TNG episode, Face of the Enemy, uh, wanted her to actually come back, wanted Linville to actually come back and reprise her role as the Romulan commander on TNG, but she was unavailable schedule-wise. So they actually made writing changes. So she was written out of that script, uh, which is too bad because it would have been cool to see her come back in the TNG days as well. Um, she did lots of television acting in the 50s, 60s, 70s, um, you know, and then actually... Uh, interestingly, Amy Rydell, uh, who is her daughter, later reprised her mother's role as the Romulan commander in the fan series Star Trek Continues two-part finale to boldly go. And Linville herself participated in the fan audio drama Starship Excelsior for the 50th anniversary special Tomorrow's Excelsior, reprising her role as the Romulan commander. So she got an audio drama in with the same character, Joanne Linville, would have had a birthday on January 15th. Happy birthday, Joanne. Happy birthday as well to Barbara J. Tarbuck, who played the role of Lekka Tryon in TNG's episode, The Host, uh, also known for lots of soap opera appearances, Falcon Crest, Dynasty, those sorts of things, appeared in 1986's Short Circuit, which was a great movie as far as I'm concerned. I still love that one. Barbara J. Tarbuck would have had a birthday this week as well. Happy Allie birthday Sheedy as well. If I remember yeah. correctly. And I number five, correct. five is alive. Yep, absolutely, Jim. Uh, she, she is missed. Yep, yep. Uh, Nancy Parsons, also saying happy birthday to her this week. She played Maruk in TNG's episode, The Vengeance Factor. Um, that was a pretty cool episode, too. She was also best known for her memorable role as Coach Beulah Ballbricker in all three installments of the Porky's Bee series. I don't know if you're And you know what? Or... Yeah. There's a discriminating mole on that tally whacker. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I just, yeah. Oh, my God. She, she, was, she was so funny in those movies so funny and like just kind of had a natural presence on the screen I think um you know she was not just a bit actor or whatever she was a real character actor um also appeared in Sudden Impact Steel Magnolias uh movies like that 
interestingly, was cast as a nurse five times in her life. So apparently people thought she looked kind of like a nurse uh, and then did lots and lots of television as well, uh, in addition to just a little bit of, of movie work. So Nancy Parsons, man, uh, we miss you. Happy birthday. Lost her way back in 2001. Uh, unfortunately, way too young at the age of 58 years old. So would have had a birthday. And on a side note, though, do you yeah. know what other Star Trek alumni was in Porky's with her and played Lassie? Lassie from Porky's. Wasn't that... Um, uh, she was in that... Star Trek VI. I guess I don't know off the top of my head. No. Kim Cattrall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Yep, she was yes. the one that when she got around the smell of sweaty gym socks, yeah. went crazy. And That's and great. Coach What's-His-Face got her upstairs, and she started howling like Lassie. Oh, my gosh. You remember that scene? <laughs> I sure did. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep, yep. That's Kim yep. Cattrall, another Star Trek alumnus. That's right. Mrs. Honeywell. Uh, yeah, she plays uh, Kim Cattrall, for anybody who doesn't remember, of course, is Savick, uh, the original. Or not Savick. Uh, no, uh, not Savick. Not, I can't think of her. Oh, I said the wrong name. Uh, yep, Savick was Star Trek Three and Star Trek Four. Yep, yeah. Yep. Veril. Yep. Veril. Cool. All right. Well, uh, interesting tidbits you learn along the way here at Trek Talking. So uh, happy birthday to Nancy Parsons. Happy birthday as well to Peter Bracco, who played Claymare in the TOS episode Errand of Mercy. Uh, Peter Bracco uh, lived to be 89 years old and had a career spanning over six decades, you guys. He was in stuff from the 30s all the way up through the 90s. Um, he was also a theology student at one point, and he worked all over the place, France, Italy, Spain, Switzerland. He returned to the U.S. in 1947, eventually joining the Federal Theater Group. Um, has lots and lots of theater under his belt and lots of science fiction, Outer Limits, Time Tunnel, Invaders, Lost in Space, Twilight Zone. Uh, played Spartacus. So Peter Bracco, uh, a titan of an actor, great role in the Errand of Mercy, would have had a birthday this week on the 16th as well. So happy birthday to Peter. Happy birthday as well to Harry Bash, who played Dr. Brown in TOS's episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? A fun little episode, I think. Also had a 30-year career, plenty long, lots of television in his uh, background, and actually was in a television movie called World War III in 1982. So there you go. Harry Bash would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday to him. Happy birthday and remembrance is going out to Michael Pataki as well, who played Korax in the TOS episode, The Trouble with Tribbles, and also played Karnas in the TNG episode, Too Short a Season. Uh, another one of these actors who I think that you've seen a bunch and may not even know it, uh, tons of roles throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s on television. Um, made a career not only doing you know a couple of episodes of Star Trek and all of his other television but was in a couple of TV movies as well and what I didn't know was that he was in a 1977 TV movie called The Amazing Spider-Man and that was actually it's considered kind of like a cult hit and then he went along uh, to do some other cool stuff he's well remembered for his role as Count Malachi in a three-part episode of the sitcom Happy Days in 1976. Uh, and he is also known for playing Count Dracula in the B-movie classic Dracula's Dog. 
Eventually How did I miss poisoned. that one? I know. It's a B-movie classic, man. you got to check it out. Um, but he did do some cool voiceover stuff in the 90s as well. And we just lost him, uh, well, it was a little while ago now, 2010. Um, so Michael Pataki, Korax, what a great role. Uh, and uh, we do miss him. So happy birthday to Michael. Yeah, if you guys don't remember, he's the one that gets in the argument with Scotty that starts the, the fight. And he That's says, right. oh, the Enterprise shouldn't be hauling garbage. Yep. It should be hauled away as garbage. And, uh, yeah, there we go. The classic bar fight. That's and it's Michael the fight, that, the fight that uh, Kirk eventually is like, uh, you know, more or less, good job, Scotty. <laughs> he's like, they insulted your captain and you didn't care. And he's like, but they insulted the Enterprise. <laughs> like, yep. Yep. That's that, okay. was that was Michael Pataki. Uh, cool. Well, happy Great birthday, character. Michael. Absolutely. Uh, also remembering this week, Johnny Hamer appeared as the Sarpedian Constable in the TOS episode All Our Yesterdays. Um, he had a long and steady career as well, about 25 years long, appearing on MASH and several other television shows. Uh, made his debut as a comedian, actually, in The Secret War of Harry Frigg. Uh, co-starring fellow TOS guest actor James Gregory, and then just did a handful of movies in the 70s and 80s. Uh, so Johnny Hamer, Hamer would have had a birthday this week as well, born in 1920, uh, way back in the day. Happy birthday, Johnny. Happy birthday as well to Fritz Weaver, who played Kovat in the DS9 episode Tribunal. Uh, Fritz Weaver is an American actor, uh, Originally from Pennsylvania, he was a conscientious objector, uh, objector during World War II uh, and therefore didn't actually get break into acting until the 50s uh, through Broadway. He has garnered five Tony Award nominations, including one for Weaver as Best Featured Actor in a Play. And then he won a 1956 Theater Award for, his, uh, for another one of his performances. So very uh, storied stage actor nice that he crosses over with star trek as well lived to age 90 lost back in 2016 played kovat fritz weaver would have had a birthday this week and our final remembrance goes out to lee delano who portrayed kalo in the tos episode a piece of the action one of our favorite gangster episodes of course um he uh, began his career doing lots and lots of comedy and actually kind of had a friendship and association with Mel Brooks along the way um, and got roles in Brooks's movies like Silent Movie and High Anxiety and History of the World Part One, uh, all super funny movies. So happy birthday to Lee Delano. And that is all of our remembrances. Quite a handful this week. Lots of January birthdays. Uh, not surprising. And, and most of these folks were from the, the era, the TOS era, born anywhere between like 1903 and 1940 uh, and lost anywhere between the 80s and, and current day. So happy birthday and remembrances going out to all of those who have gone before us. And Charles, I'm going to pass that birthday torch to you. All right. Let us start off with Matthew Thalison, who played Sir Mac Ran in Star Trek's Deep Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode Babel. Also appeared in the episode of Mash, Fantasy Island, and several late eighties, nineties horror. I think it was Jason Four or Jason Six. There was a couple others in there. Alan. Sch- 
Charmin played Inspector Lestrade in TNG's episode Elementary, Dear Data. Appeared in Escape from New York, an episode of Night Court, and actually got to play Sherlock in The Real Ghostbusters. Interesting that he gets to play Lestrade and Sherlock. Alex Deal played the synth unit F8 in Picard episode Maps and Legends, and the synth unit Harvey and 335 in episode Stargazer and Penance. Rainier Schoen portrayed yeah, in TNG's episode Allegiance. Started uh, quite a bit of his early work in doing a lot of German items since he came from Germany. David Yost appeared as Nabis in Star Trek Enterprise episode Chosen Realm. <clears throat> and then one I'm surprised Jim actually gave me a very big happy birthday to Una McCormick. And you start saying, but that's not a Star Trek actor. No, she's not a Star Trek actor. She's a British author of several Star Trek, including DS9 and Discovery, uh, and two biographies, Doctor Who, and other scientific no- science fiction novels. She even did a Firefly novel. So she's got a pretty good credit on her list of books she's done. She wrote the Tilly book, which was spectacular. Yes. She also did the Janeway, bi- the Janeway and the Spock biography. I haven't gotten around to reading that. I've forgotten she did a Spock one also. And we've had her on the podcast as well. Yeah, that's a podcast I'll forever remember. She was great. She was a great interview. She called in all the way from the UK and kind of worked around her daughter's schedule. It was amazing. Yeah, I did it. I did it live from camp. It, I think it was a noon on a Saturday, I think. Yeah. Our time. It yeah. Was, and I was actually oh, I in was... upstate New York. <laughs> yeah. Broadcasting live from the yard of a public library, if I remember right. <laughs> no, I think it's more we, like we're... about two. I think it was more like about two o'clock your time, Jim. I think it was around ten or eleven for me. Yeah, we we made it work. But it was a mid. But it was a mid morning good... podcast. Yes, it was. Well, I guess so I'll continue. Though well, I haven't got a chance. Say, let's uh, let let's let Eric do some living people for a change. Okay. How does that sound? <laughs> that sounds you wanna, good. What since a treat! You always yeah. do deceased <laughs> people. <laughs> you want to do some live people? Absolutely. Well, yeah, uh, I'll be happy to. Uh, happy birthday to uh, Charlie Brill, who played Arnie Darvin in TOS's episode "The Trouble with Tribbles." And the DS9 episode Trials and Tribulations. Uh, Charlie, thank you so much for being part of the Star Trek universe, and happy birthday to you. Happy birthday as well to Sean Ahmed, who played Ensign Shankar in Strange New Worlds episode Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach, and The Serene Squall. I have to tell you guys, Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach was just an absolutely uh, masterpiece of, a, of, a, of an episode. That one just really hit me hard. 
Um, and Ensign Shankar was in both of those episodes. Sean Ahmed, thank you so much for being part of that uh, and part of two really special episodes and a really cool crew on a really cool show. Happy birthday as well to Andrea Martin, who played Ishka in DS9's episode Family Business. Oh my gosh, I always like me a little bit of Moogie. Moogie. <laughs> She's the best, man. I just love her character so much. I would love to meet Andrea Martin. Uh, Moogie is like the the essence of uh, of woman power from a Ferengi standpoint, right? Just I love it. <laughs> So happy birthday to you, Andrea Martin. You're truly an icon of uh, of Ferengi culture. Happy birthday as well to Jake Epstein, who played Addis in the Discovery episode, Die Trying. Happy birthday, Jake. Happy birthday as well to Malik Pancholi. Pancholi, is that how we say that? I'm thinking that's what I'm, I'm saying. That sounds who, good. Who that played sounds right. the U, Who played the USS Shenzhou's chief medical officer, Nambue in the Star Trek Discovery pilot episode, The Vulcan Hello, before we had our new, well, not new, our permanent CMO, I guess I'll say. So, Malik, happy birthday to you. Uh, awesome that you're, you were part of that super cool pilot. And happy birthday as well, last on my list, to Nicole Orth Palavinci, who played Kareel Odan in TNG's episode, The Host. Uh, is that not one of our first? Is that our only Trill episode from that era? I can't remember. Yeah. One of the few. Yeah. That, so, that's uh, that's yeah, when so they introduced the Trill, and then when Deep Space Nine came around, they completely uh, they, changed They revamped them a little bit. It, yeah, yeah, they changed it around when yeah. they did it on Deep Space Nine. But it was a solid idea, which eventually then took off, and they were able to kind of like stick with. And you can you can still fit, uh, I think, the host into Trill canon, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, happy birthday, Nicole, Jim. Uh, the rest are yours, buddy. Well, I don't, I don't have that many. But that's okay because I've got some good ones. First and foremost, we want to say happy birthday to Hannah Spear, and you're saying. Who the hell is Hannah Spear? Well, I'm going to tell you. Just relax. Hannah Spear played Serana, the sister of Saru, in Star Trek Short Trek's episode, The Brightest Star. And she also appeared in Discovery episodes, The Sound of Thunder, Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. But wait, there's more. Other than Saru's sister, she also portrayed Dr. Issa in the episode Terra Firma Part 1 and That Hope Is You Part two. I don't remember who Dr. Issa was, but apparently it was her. So happy birthday to Hannah Spear. We also want to say happy birthday to Jandy Swanson, who portrayed Katie in the TNG episode, When the Bow Breaks. We want to say happy birthday to Nancy Ann Parsons. Wait a minute. We did her. We want to say happy birthday yep. to Jeff Hager. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Baker played Eden in the, in the Star Trek Voyager episode, Flesh and Blood. No relation to me whatsoever. I wish he was, but he's not. So happy birthday to Jeff Yeager. And last, but definitely not least, and somebody that I'm really excited to get the opportunity to meet at Long Island Trek, or Trek Long Island, I should say, I'm sorry, Issa Briones. 
Uh, she she portrayed Soji, Dasha, Sunatra. Um, uh, she played the other uh, hey, keep Cor- going. And Corey. There and you Corey go. on you Star go. Trek Picard. Corey Soon on Star Trek Picard. She took off with Wesley Crusher, the Traveler, to go off on adventures. And Issa Brionis also sang Blue Skies, which was the song that was playing when Picard unplugged Data at the end of season one, which is ironic because Brett Spiner sang that song at Riker and Troy's wedding in Star Trek Nemesis. So there's a little tie-in for you guys. So that wraps up our birthdays. Can you believe it? There were a lot. There are a lot of January birthdays, but man, there are some good ones in there, and they're always fun to discuss. And, and remember that uh, you know the the ones who have gone before us did a lot of other stuff that wasn't Star Trek, and the ones who are still with us are still pumping out cool stuff. Yeah, I I, I like I like the birthdays. We you know I I think the one thing that you and that I think we take for granted is that we know all these episodes. We've seen all these episodes, but there's a lot of people that haven't. You know, there's a lot of people that weren't Mm -hmm. born when TOS was out or weren't born when TNG was around or whatever. So, you know, maybe they hear that and they say, oh, I didn't know that person was on Star Trek, and they look up that episode. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's great that we revisit that. So, all right, guys, it's time for Convention Calendar. And why doesn't convention calendar want to play? What is, what is, you know what? You know what's going to tick me off? If it plays, it's going to play like 30 It's going to play after the fact. That, that, that would really torture. I don't know what is wrong here. Is this is a gremlin okay. going on? Or what is the deal here? There we go. Oh, my. <laughs> calendar. Eric, you want to get us started? I absolutely do. Uh, Our very first one that we're keeping track of this week is, of course, out there in Las Vegas, uh, Days of the Dead Las Vegas 2023, February 17th through the 19th at the Plaza Hotel and Casino in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. So, Charles, uh, you know, a little horror for you. Uh, Who knows? (laughs) Oh, if I was a Day of the Dead, if I was a dead fan, I probably would go. Yeah. I'm not a dead fan. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Some are, some are not. Uh, Well, if you are a dead fan, go check out that awesome convention. Or if you're up here in the beautiful Northwest that same weekend, you can see Paul and I out there at the Oregon Convention Center here in Portland, Oregon at Fan Expo Portland. I think David's talking about going too, so we may even get a trifecta together to pal around and take some photos and see what's going on at that convention. Uh, I think we're all just going one day, but it should be a good time. So uh, come out to Fan Expo Portland. We have a great convention center here, and I'd love to see you there. We're also going to be checking out Mad Monster Party Carolina that same weekend in Concord, North Carolina. So if you're out on that East Coast, go check this out at the Embassy Suites by Hilton Charlotte Concord Golf Resort and spa in beautiful Concord, North Carolina. Of course, if you're just a little farther south in Florida, you could always go to Beyond Comic-Con at the Marjorie and William McDonald Center. 
North Miami Beach, Florida, or perhaps if you're in Minnesota, uh, Michigan, excuse me, the following weekend, February 24th through the 25th, you can go to the Great Lakes Comic Convention at the Macomb Community College Sports and Expo Center. Uh, that sounds like a really cool one, too. Uh, that's a pretty big space, as I understand. Uh, and if you're down in Texas, uh, February 24th through 25th, in Fort Worth, you can check out Loot Fest at the Sheridan Fort Worth Downtown Hotel. How about you, Charles? What do you got on your list? Okay. Well, same weekend, February 24th to 26th, you can go to Pensacon, Pensacola Bay Center, Pensacola, Florida. Or just on the 25th, if you're rather be in Miami, you can go to Hero Hot Miami, February 25th, the Miami Airport Convention Center, Miami, Florida. Or if you're on the opposite end of the country, there's Alaska Comic Con, February 25th and 26th, at the Carlson Center in Fairbanks, Alaska. Or if you're in California, there's Stockton, Stockton Con Winter, February 25th to 26th, at the Stockton Arena in Stockton, California. Or if you're in Winter Park, Florida, there's Heroes, Villains, and Bur- and Blurds on February 26th at the Winter Park Community Center, Winter Park, Florida. Or if you're in Kentucky, there's Lexicon, uh, February 26th at the Embassy Suites by Hilton, Lexicon, UK, Coldstream, Lexicon, Kentucky. Following on the 24th to 26th. Uh, but let's see where Jim's going. Well, guys, if you're in New York, I've got some good ones for you. Um, we have William Shatner Weekend, uh, which, yeah, happens quite frequently. Uh, July 7th, 8th, and 9th at the Star Trek Original Series set tour in Ticonderoga, New York. William Shatner makes, oh, I want to say four appearances a year up there, um, and this is one of them. So if you want to meet William Shatner, you want to tour the bridge, this is the place to be. Um, a convention that Trek Talking is going to be at, Trek Conderoga, August 18th, 19th, and 20th at the Star Trek Original Set Tour in Ticonderoga, New York. The Ticonderoga High School is where you will find us. I will be there. You can come over and touch my bat list if you'd like to. And I will be doing a panel on why Star Trek V is the greatest Star Trek film ever made. And I'll also be doing a panel on why Michael Burnham is the best Starfleet captain ever. So you can come and check out both of those panels at Triconderoga. Um Eric, will you be joining us this year? Uh, not sure, Jim. Got some other stuff going on in August. We are planning things right now, so I'll let you know for sure. But uh, you could definitely meet me and Jamie. We will be there. You will be able to find us in the gymnasium um, at the high school. It'll be a lot of fun. And another convention which we are going to be at is Trek Long Island, May 20th and 21st at the Hyatt Regency Long Island in Hop Hog, New York. I will be there for Trek Talking. I'll be doing a panel 
on Star Trek podcasting along with a bunch of other podcasters. And I will be doing the same two panels at Trek Long Island, Star Trek V, the best Star Trek movie, and Michael Burnham, the best Starfleet captain. And I also will be on stage interviewing, dun, 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 Bonnie Gordon, who does the computer voice on Star Trek Prodigy on Sunday. I will be on stage with her. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're interested in in any of these conventions, please check them out. And I just got to let you guys know, uh, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, the best movie ever, and Michael Burnham, the best Starfleet captain. What better way to get people to come in to to your panel than saying this is the best movie and this is the best captain? And I do that. I do it intentionally because I know people hate Star Trek V, and I know people hate Michael Burnham. (laughs) So that's how I get you to come in and listen. And it's all my opinion, and hopefully when you get done listening to my opinion, maybe you'll change your mind and you won't be so hard. Who knows? But at any rate, that's our convention calendar for this week. And now, without any further ado, it's time for Comic Okay, I hope that put you in the mood because not only are we a few short weeks away from Star Trek Picard Season 3, the TNG finale that was uh, what, 17 years in the making or something like that, but we're going to talk about Star Trek Picard Issue 3, which is the third and final issue of their miniseries, which is supposed to fill in the gap between where Season 2 ended and where Season 3 will pick up and which one of my co-hosts wants to jump in and take the lead on star trek picard i'll go ahead and take this one jim and i'll just say that this is uh star trek picard stargazer issue number three uh not to be confused with countdown so yeah we had we've had two star trek picard 
series, uh, the first one kind of being the the lead-up to the first season, and now this one, as Jim was saying, filling in that gap between seasons two and three. And this issue actually came out back in November of last year, uh, but it has our classic uh, IDW writing team of Kirsten Beyer and Mike Johnson at the helm. Uh, beautiful art by Angel Hernandez, once again, uh, colors by J.D. Mettler, and there are a light, lot of really cool and bright color decisions made here. And then, of course, we always have Neil Uyutaki doing the letters uh, in our Star Trek um, IDW comics. So just to kind of set you up, because maybe it's been a little while since you read issues number one and number two, you may remember that when Picard was young and on the original Stargazer, uh, he was involved in an, uh, I won't say incident, well, maybe an incident. Yeah, the year was, 20, yeah, the year was 2254, uh, and he was at Genjor 6, and a Romulan warbird appeared, and basically he had an interaction with this guy named Commander Xenius, who wanted to um, start to harvest this stuff called psyllium uh, from this planet, and it's it, it's to be harvested in such a way that it's really going to disrupt the native population on the planet. And basically, Picard kind of makes a verbal deal with him at that time to leave the joint alone and then goes away. Fast forward to modern day Picard and this series, what we have found is, guess what? The Romulans didn't keep their word. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and they went back to the planet, and they started harvesting this stuff. And because they did, they have now destroyed the environment of the planet. And we have an interesting storyline that involves not only the native population of the planet, but the Remans. And in particular, one character who comes back uh, in issue number three here, who is half Romulan and half Reman. And as such, you know, grew up uh, shunned by all the groups, I think. Um, and she's pretty compelling. So uh, this particular issue, uh, the setup is that we've got uh, an A and B story kind of already happening uh, at the end of issue two. We've got the Stargazer, the new Stargazer, being attacked. Uh, and this is not, you know, remember Picard's not in command here. We've got a uh, a an Andorian commander here uh, running the show on the ship. And then we've got kind of our B story down on the planet where uh, Picard is is dealing with the, the native population and the fact that he's kind of being held hostage by, what's her name? Is it Ricard? I can't quite remember her name off the top of my head. I should have had that note ready here. Uh, we'll figure out what her name is here in a minute. But the comic opens uh, with the Stargazer being attacked by a Romulan warbird. Pretty cool, right? And you would think kind of scary, except that what we learned is in this point in time, this is actually kind of an old ship. Um, this Romulan warbird is not that much of a threat to the Stargazer, but also the Stargazer doesn't really want to, to destroy it. So um, we've got them attacking. We go to uh, what's happening, and Seven of Nine here uh, is talking with the people on the ship about what can Starfleet do and what can people or groups like the Fenris Rangers do that Starfleet aren't able to do. And so we've got the cool Seven of Nine Fenris Rangers connection as well, and she actually contacts somebody uh, in her group who's away, who's going to turn out to be the cavalry kind of a little bit later on here in the comic. 
Um, so that's our A story. B story here, back with Picard uh, underground uh, with the Genjorians and um, being held hostage and sort of talking about the political situation and the fact that this this um, half-Reman woman is upset, extremely upset, and uh, I think rightfully so, with Picard for leaving the planet and basically causing the Romulans to come and destroy the place. And I think that what we see as a big theme in this comic is a lot of what we see in Star Trek Picard in general, which is Picard dealing with the aftermath of his decisions. And, you know, while he's a lot of everybody's favorite captain, um, turns out he may have not made the perfect decision every single time. And some of these things have consequences. And whereas we couldn't get those in in a 45-minute episode of TNG, now we have a little bit more time to explore those um, in the comics, which I think is really cool. Uh, Picard and the Reman woman get, uh, you know, transported uh, to the Romulan ship, and I'm not going to belabor what the story is, but let's just say that um, she kind of gets what she wants in the end, and Picard kind of gets what he wants in the end, and in a lot of ways, the the third part of this three-part comic does resolve the Picard story. There's kind of a redemption for both Picard and her. There's a rejuvenation starting uh, of the planet, kind of a rebuilding of the planet's environment after it was devastated uh, by the Romulans. And there's kind of a, a hope for the future. Um, uh, and I think kind of one of the most interesting things about hope for the future that I'd like to just say that happens at the very end of the comic here is that Picard, you know, he sees what Seven's capable of, and he's like, listen, you should come into Starfleet. And she's like listen, I'm not sure I want to be in Starfleet. And you think that's it. And then you turn your last page and there's an epilogue. And guess who else asks her to be in Starfleet? Well, not really. She is contacted by her good old friend, Admiral Janeway, who says, well, I get that you don't want to be in Starfleet, but I still want to have a talk with you. And so to me, that sets up a very interesting Admiral Janeway possibility almost surety, I would say, for uh, Star Trek Picard Season 3, uh, right? Like, it just makes sense. Yep. Um, so Absolutely. It's been foretold. <laughs> it has been foretold. So I really liked this comic, you guys. I, I liked all three uh, issues. Uh, they all had, you know, great art. I think that we like this, this team of Byron Johnson, of course, our writers on the show, so it's like straight from the horse's mouth. This is this is canon stuff, if you want to get that technical about it, right? It's stuff that leads directly to what you're going to be seeing on screen. The art is great. Angel Hernandez always knocks it out of the park. Um, so I would just highly recommend this issue. The only thing I will say, and I'm going to say this about the next issue, is that prices are going up in comics, man. So this one was a $4.99 instead of a $3.99. Same number of pages, 24 pages. But it did go up by a dollar. So I don't know if four ninety nine is now becoming the new staple for um, IDW comics or not. But if you're like me uh, and you get you, and you have your box at the shop, or you're like these guys who are able to get the ten percent discount online, that ten percent discount, if you can, to bring it down, because <laughs> I understand five bucks an issue is not cheap. What do you guys think of this comic? Well, um, so I thought that the the Romulan. The Romulan Warbird 
and Picard says, your ship is no match for us. It's, it's an antique, outdated ship. You know, I, I love that. I thought that was great, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, but, like, so I thought that the, the main character looked too much like Dracula to me. Did you get that feel? Well, I think it's because – so it was the mixture of her races that kind of made her look like that, right? Because she has – when you look at Remans, and the only Reman precedent that we have is from Star Trek Nemesis. So when you look at the way the Remans look, they have the the kind of like vampire teeth <laughs> and vampire eyes. But then she's got like a Romulan hairdo, which of course is, you know, black and and short cropped and kind of basically looks like a Dracula style or Vulcan, almost even Vulcan style hairdo. So yeah, she looked a little vampire-y. I won't, I won't lie. Yeah, because it, past it, that, though. Yeah. it ties in perfect to our next issue. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no, that's no, true. <laughs> yeah, I'm just pointing out things that I noticed in, totally. in the book. I thought the artwork was great. Um, I like the Andorian captain and I, I hope that we see her in Picard season three, because I really like her a lot. That would be cool. I thought I she would like to see her too. Yeah. And I hope I, I like I like that they I like the way they drew her because she's not the Shran type of Andorian, but yet she's not the Discovery Andorian either. She she's kind of like in between, which which I absolutely love. They took yeah. they took them both and kind of combined them together, and uh, which I thought was great. And I love I that, like... Jim. And I love that they're doing that more in Star Trek in general because you know everybody thinks or used to think I think that like everybody's turtle head had to look the same, and everybody's yeah. antennas had to look the same, and you know all this kind of stuff. And as soon as you strayed from the path, people started having a fit about it. But I think you know you look at human beings. Oh my gosh. You know, my wife, your wife is five foot oh, mine's five foot oh, you know, we're like six foot, six foot two, you know, I mean, there's a lot of variation in size and shape of human beings, colorations, face shapes, all that kind of stuff. It only makes sense that this Andorian would not look like that Andorian. All right. And I, I that's why I, I wanted to point that out. Because yep. like you said, now, and let's look at it from a production point of view. If you're making Klingon heads, it's easier to take a mold and mass produce it than it is to create 90 individual molds that are only going to be used once. And that's why they all look the same. Uh, But in reality, they wouldn't. And that's, uh, that's the point that I'm trying to make is that not every Andorian has to look like Shran. And in this particular case, this Andorian doesn't look like Shran, but, she doesn't look exactly like the ones that we see on Discovery with the, um, I don't know what you want to call it, the tendrils or whatever. Eyebrow weird the... things. Oh, and the tendrils yeah. thing too, yeah. It's, a, it's not quite that drastic, but it's different enough that you notice it. And that to me, that's what infinite diversity and infinite combinations is all about. So kudos to them for drawing her that way, and I hope that we see her on Picard Season 3. Um, the, the seven of nine thing. So um, I just went back and watched Picard season two. I'm getting ready for season three. And um, at the end of Picard um, episode nine, um, seven and Rafi are having a discussion. And Rafi says to seven, 
you'd make a great captain. People would follow you. And Seven tells Rafi that Starfleet won't let her in because she's a Borg. Then she tells Rafi that Janeway even went to bat for her and couldn't get her in. So that's at the end of season two. I just watched it yesterday. That's why it's fresh in my mind. Okay. So in this comic book, though, I love the fact that Picard is talking her into joining Starfleet and whatnot, and and Janeway calls her. So maybe, (laughs) maybe Janeway, because we know that she's in Starfleet. She's the first officer. We, we, we know this from the trailers. That's not spoiling anything. Um, we know that she's the first officer. So maybe, maybe Janeway was able to pull some strings after, you know, the prodigy incident and stuff. Maybe she was able to pull some strings and get seven accepted. That's, but you know, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Yeah. Well, um, I do think that we definitely are going to see Janeway yeah. uh, show up in season three. It's absolutely going to happen now that they put it in the comic book. And like Eric said, these people that are writing the comic books happen to coincidentally be the same people that are writing the TV shows. So they know what's happening. So um, I'm, I'm absolutely positive that we will see Janeway in season three for sure. I don't, I think, I don't know how big of a role it's going to be but I'm pretty sure we're going to see her at some point. So I really like that interaction with, with uh, Janeway and seven and seven kind of looking back into herself and thinking, well, maybe there are some things that Starfleet can do that the Fenris Rangers can't because through these whole three issues, she's kind of fighting a battle within herself between the things that she can do as, you know, uh, a Fenris Ranger versus how she would be restricted if she was in Starfleet. She couldn't go off and do these rogue things because there's rules. And maybe she can't fit into that. But I think that by the end of the third issue, I think she's turning the corner and she's seeing that, you know, maybe Starfleet can do these things that the Fenris Rangers can't. So I, I, I really like the journey that seven went on in these three issues. And, uh, you know, we know she's going to be the first officer. So I really like that. Um, I thought it was weird that the Remans showed up. I don't know where they came from. Um, I, I, did I miss that? Did they ever tell you how they ended up? They were just there. This planet had Remans on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They just were there. Yeah, yeah, I I didn't reread the first issue, so I don't exactly remember, but I know that this planet, for whatever reason, had them had them on it. Yeah, yeah, they were just there. So, and and I got to tell you, the Remans are like my one of my. Well, I won't get into that. Anyways, I just thought it was weird that there was a planet full of Remans here, and I that it just kind of struck me. That's strange because Remans are like the 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 the, 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 the. junk of the Romulan Empire, although that well, was and that, destruction. Yeah, well, I think that that was actually part of the deal here was you had the, the both the Remans and the native population being negatively affected by the Romulans. So it was almost like, you know, the Federation had to do something. 
<laughs> Federation had to do something. Picard had to do something because he had left them all alone uh, all those years ago and basically allowed this to happen, so to speak. But I, enough and, from us. What, what Charles? But you what, know what, though? Yeah. yeah. That, that is classic, classic Star Trek. Well, yeah. They well, never yeah. go back to check on any of these planets, <laughs> right. ever. <laughs> yeah. Always, well, I like that they're doing it in the in the books now, right? That's what is great lower, about lower decks. Lower decks is going back well, to that planet. That's what lower decks uh, is doing. That's what lower okay. decks does. But in, in classic Star Trek, they go to the planet, they find a problem, they fly away, and we never ever find out anything. So this is classic Star Trek. This is what would have happened. Picard would have gone, done his thing, flown away, and they never send a ship back. Look what happened in the Wrath of Khan because they never went back and checked. So, mm-hmm. classic. So, overall, um, I, I also like the fact that they mentioned the destruction of the Romulan Empire, and they refer to them as the Romulan Free State, which is what they're called on Star Trek Picard Season 1. I thought that was cool. Um, so, overall, I, I enjoyed this trilogy of, of books. The artwork was great. The colors were really great. Um, the story was good. I liked the characterizations. Like I said, the Andorian First Officer really won me over. So I highly recommend it. I would give this this uh, trilogy an 8.5 out of 10, easily. Easily. And how about you, Charles? Uh, I was really kind of enjoying the series. And this last episode kind of left me, it's like, okay, you tied up the story. Did you tie up the story? It's an odd tie-up. I just, it didn't get me excited. The ending just kind of like, okay, we put, we solved it and dealt with it. Like, okay, there was no real big bang to it. So I was liking the series, but this last one just didn't quite get me. And I think I remember talking with Paul when we both read the last one, and neither one of us quite felt fulfilled by the finale. I'll go with about an overall eight with the series. That's that's still respectable. We'll see, we'll see we'll see how it ties in with Picard season three. That's that's what's got me perplexed. How are they gonna tie this all in other than the Janeway seven connection, which we know is gonna happen. Um but well, yeah, I think it'd be we'll cool. See. I mean, it would be cool if they brought this planet. I know that the adventure on this particular planet is kind of over, but there's no reason that they couldn't use this planet as a setting. And, you know, it'd be pretty cool to see these big atmospheric processors fixing the planet. Um, and maybe Reska, this this Riemann, maybe maybe she actually comes into it. Um, I, I, unlike Jim, I don't mind the, the Riemanns or the concept of the Riemanns, the... You know, we don't get to see enough of them really in Nemesis to really form too much of an opinion about them. So I like that the comics are trying to expand the Riemann canon a little bit. Um, I think there might be a book or two out there that also deal with Riemanns. But to me, it's it's always a good kind of story set up to have a an oppressed population, right? <laughs> like that's... That's kind of like the crux of good science fiction in a lot of ways. You have an oppressed – all the way back to Metropolis from 1912, you have an oppressed population that um, uprises, right? And there's a little bit of that in in this 
in this series as well. So yeah, I'll, I'll give. I didn't give this a number, but uh, I guess I'll I'll go with Jim, or I'll go with uh, yeah, I'll go with the eight point five. I I thought it was pretty good. You know, Picard. I will admit that Picard is not exciting me as much these days as some of these other shows. However, I'm a big TNG fan, so I am excited to see at least what they do with some of the other actors that they're bringing in this too. And if they're going to bring Admiral Janeway in, then sign me up. All right. Well, now it's time for our second comic book, which is Lower Decks uh, Part 3. And let's see if it works this time. Wow, look at that. Two in a row. It's amazing. I feel like we should read the logs to this music. Time for uh, Lower Decks, issue number three. And Charles, take it away. This is your baby. Yep. In fact, as I was getting the chat with Eric, he's like, oh, I like these logs. It's like, yeah, so do I. That's why I was planning on reading them. After I'm trying to look at the page, it's like, okay, we're somewhere around 890 uh, okay, whatever that star date is. <laughs> you know these Alpha L-cars Gen- displays, these L-cars yeah. displays just always have random numbers on them. <laughs> yeah. Memory Alpha connection active. Query complete. Two results found. Log, Captain Carol Friedman. Captain's log, supplemental. Turns out there are two civilizations in this world. The technology, technological Quivanti. Hold on, is my screen? I t- tapped my screen. One we were expecting, and the isolated pre-contract Yantua. Our arrival on Yantua continent has caused us accidentally break the Kuavanti equivalent of the Prime Directive, earning both my away team and the Cerritos itself a death sentence. Unfortunately, with the Kuavanti's advanced technology. They're easily capable of carrying it out and a recording. <clears throat> Log, Ensign Samantin Rutherford. Rutherford's personal log supplemental. We tested the, Dra- the Dracula name Dracula my friend actually gave life to on the holodeck, and it turns out, yep, he's sentient. And normally that would mean big trouble. But this Dracula actually is a good guy. He loves to gobble blood, admittedly. But you can use any of us. Can I, but can any of us truly say otherwise? For the non-blooded substances, I mean. 
I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, personal log, and say I've never gobbled anything. Anyways, we keep him sedated with replicated bug blood, which probably tastes almost as good as the I keep tapping the screen, <laughs> shifting. Almost as good as the real thing, and he is our buddy now, and will never turn evil, especially when we're not looking. I know it sounds like I'm setting up an ironic twist, personal log, but things really have been great. Okay, gotta go. Ship's being attacked for an un- unrelated reason. End of recording. And we got uh, written by Jerry no- Ryan North. Art by Chris Fenoglio. Fenoglio. And lettering and design by Joanne Natilly and Jake Wood. So this one gets kind of detailed, but I'll do a summary on it. We start off with the trial of our three crew members and the captain notifying the ship that no rescue attempts, that they're going to go through trying to do diplomatic methods to try solving the issue. Our poor XO was trying to deal with his minor injury and how he's going to solve the problem. And our lower decks offer to try helping out, which he's like, eh, if you want to help, help out. Well, well, Jackie's on there, and he's like, okay, can I get out of the holodeck? No. Okay, computer, how can you take, how can you help me conquer the ship? Access denied. Can I find some way of conquering them? Access denied. And he's like, oh, I'm going to do all this stuff. Access denied. Then he finally realized, like, well, wait a minute. Here's something I can sneak by the computer. So he's like, okay, let's allow me to hack into the system. Computers like Dracula, alterations complete. And he becomes, ah, he kind of reminds me at one point of Barkley, when Barkley interfaced himself with the computer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We get, this power, we get this powerful Dracula. <clears throat> so our lower decks are off in engineering trying to solve the problem. They kind of realize there's a power curve with the shield. There's something maybe they could try with the shield. But as they're trying to do it, all of a sudden they're getting told, oh, you need to wait 35 seconds before this report, before this procedure is finished. And the time is stretching. Like, wait a minute, why is, oh, are we losing computer time? How is it a big ship computer and we have to be segregated time? And we find out that, well, who's got control, who's using up all the processors time? Dracula, uh-oh, we better go check on the program. And Dracula, they are trying to sit there and talk him into being this powerful being that he's going to take and hold them hostage. 
and three of our crew, uh, three of our crew, kind of screams. And Blunder's like, eh, it's not that big a deal. He's a good leader. And I kind of like how they kind of, tr- uh, how the two try to fight over who's going to, who's, who's right. But we finally get through. Dracula kind of admits that, well, I, I need a few minor amounts of drug, of, uh, I forgot what he said, how much blood he needs, but it's like, it's a small amount. And they're like, okay. So he kind of puts his hacking abilities on hold. And they're like, well, how can we get him on board ship? Well, we've got the holodeck emitter. But there's only one holodeck emitter, and that's future tech. We can't do that. But Rutherford comes up with a plan to try to take a little bit of the holodeck and incorporate it so that they can actually move them around. Back to the courtroom, where they find the fact that the judges, basically the judges pre-decided that their case was going to be and the sentence is all of the federal all all of the crew and the ship must be destroyed. And they kind of command the ship that no, you're we're not giving up the ship. The three crew members on the planet will stay. Have maybe have to do with execution, and the Cerritos it needs to get away. Dracula finally gets to come off the holodeck. And there we go with the ship being attacked again. Red alert. And I love this thing. Oh, we should go to battle stations. But somebody's already at our battle stations. We're on. We're off right now, so we don't go to battle stations, which I thought was interesting. I was thought everybody would go to battle stations, not just the active, the current crew that's on duty. But they start thinking, it's like, well, how can we kind of... We knew something we could do with these shields, but we don't know how to get to them. And they kind of find a solution. I won't give it away, but I love their choice of how they get through the shield. But Dracula decides he's going to offer himself to get the chance of doing it. And they get to spend time on the hull of ship which we've been talking about, can you be on the hull of a ship between that and the shields, which I think is an interesting conversation in itself. We get off. We kind of finally get Dracula launched over. And it's like, how do I do this? Oh, Rom Stoker forgot about the fact that vampires have blowtorch fingertips. Okay. I didn't think about flaming fingertips on a on a, on a vampire, but but he kind of gets in, and thanks to his hacking abilities, he knows a lot more about scanning through equipment and can find secrets. And ironically, he comes over to the ship and's like. Oh, you're, we're going to destroy you. No, you're not. 
I know your secret. And they're like, oh, well, you're not going to tell anybody. It's like, oh, he explains a story. And oh, by the way, I've been broadcasting this whole thing to the planet below and to the Cerritos. And there, and the courtroom hears it, and it's like, oh yeah, we were we were lying. We don't have the prime directive, but we'll just shoot you. And it's like, oh, by the way, the Cerritos has been broadcasting, sending this information straight back to Starfleet. So if you try killing us. Starfleet will come down on you. And I love how they kind of solved it down to that. And we realize what this group had done. And I leave that secret to you finding it, readers, to actually seeing it in the book. But I thought it very interesting, the twist that was in there. And we finalize with the big goodbye to Dracula. Just as we did Kurt of Moriarty of sending him off. Dracula wants to send off too, except that he's not going in a simulator. He's off to Starfleet's Emergency Hologram Academy. As he's got a friend, on, he's got somebody, uh, somebody from Voyager he wants to kind of talk and deal with. And, of course, somebody starts thinking about Oh, maybe we should do a sentient werewolf. I'm sure everybody over there is like, no. No more sentient creatures. And that finishes off part three. And, oh, this to me, this this book read so much like a lowered episode. This felt so much like an episode of Lower Decks. They did a great job of actually cloning what McMahon does with that series. And with all the comedy. And I, because I had full screen, I didn't get a chance to read the little bottom subscripts. But some of those subscripts in there get pretty funny too. Right, Eric? Ah, oh, that's my favorite part. That's that Ryan North flair that he uses in Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and some of them are so funny. And this comic does such a good job already, just like Lower Decks, of making fun of itself. Uh-huh. And then it's almost like the subtext makes fun of the comic that's making fun of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this one, I reread this third one today, and it's like, oh, man, I've forgotten how good that this, this issue was that it really was a fun story. And yes, it was. It felt like what would happen in a Lower Decks episode. And we're getting that A-B story where you got the, the crew, the command crew doing one thing, the Lower Decks doing something else, and kind of tying it all together. But I love at one point where it's like, Ransom's like, do you trust us? It's like, no, I don't trust you. But the captain does, so I will trust you this one this time. And just kind of, yeah, that's how it kind of goes with these lower deckers. Um, I'm going to jump up with this one and score this one a nine. 
What about you two? Go ahead, Mark. Oh, yeah. I... Um... Yeah, I've loved this Lower Deck series, so um, I think – is this one only a three-part as well? This is it. This is, this is it. So, so, yeah, um, this won't be an ongoing series. Um, this one, 30 pages, which is a six pages longer than a normal comic. It is six ninety nine. so yeah. the price went up a little bit on the, this one. But that being said, here's what I'll say. Um, I've, I've said many times I love Ryan North. I love his writing. I love the little subtext things for me. That's some of the funniest parts of this. Um, to me, the lower the thing that makes it so much like an episode is that it's completely ridiculous that they completed that they that they created a sentient Dracula vampire, right? But they did, and so then after they do, they kind of have to learn or they kind of have to figure out what to deal do with it, and they completely deal with him in a very Star Trek way, right? They recognize his sentience. Boimler's like, yeah, we can't just kill him, man. We gotta, like, he's got rights, so mm-hmm. let's deal with it. And then you were mentioning the, you know, how they make the quote, mobile emitter for him. Oh my god, that was so funny because, you know, the whole joke is that on Star Trek Voyager, the mobile emitter that the Doctor uses is 29th century technology, and for whatever reason, Starfleet can't exactly figure out how it works, so they're not able to replicate it. Well, in this one, the way that Rutherford replicates it is he takes <laughs> he takes a hollow emitter and he like tapes it to a laptop, you know, <laughs> basically has this this thing that he kind of cobbles together, um, which is so ridiculous that so it's basically this is just making fun of the fact that they couldn't replicate this technology, which is clearly very easily replicatable. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Um, in this comic, you know, there, I feel like the actual story, the kind of like story that's going on with Freeman and them, uh, gets lost a little bit in this issue. This issue is way more, I think about the, the Dracula story and kind of what's going on with them, but it is extremely funny and there's a lot of wit. I found myself laughing on almost every page, particularly when I read the little subtext at the bottom. Um, as Charles was saying, there's some kind of fun and interesting and ridiculous uh, jaunting around on the hull of the ship, including somehow Boimler surviving being on the hull of the ship as the ship takes off and goes to warp. And I think that we've talked about that maybe on a podcast in the, in the past a little bit, also in the context of um, skin shields versus bubble shields. Like in TNG, mm-hmm. every time the, the Enterprise D got shot at, it had this bubble of blue stuff around it that protected it. Whereas on shows like Star Trek Discovery and Strange New Worlds, you have skin shields, which are tight to the ship, and there's not that bubble of protection. So I'm guessing the Cerritos has more of a galaxy-style bubble shield situation, and that's how Boimler <laughs> would be, be able to survive being on the hull of the ship as it goes to warp. So, but who cares anyway, right? It's animated. It's a fun story. These characters are amazing. You read their voices in, you know, in the voices mm-hmm. of the ship uh, or of the show, um, which is great. Um, you know, all the characters are consistent with the way they are in the show. So uh, I just really enjoyed this series. It was fun. It was ridiculous. It's written by Ryan North. I loved it. I definitely give it a nine myself. I might even push that up if I was doing decimals to like a 9.2. I just really enjoyed this series. What do you think, Jim? 
Cthulhu's gym. Earth to gym. Earth to gym. Oh, guys, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, we're, we're we're having a major snow event. Oh no. The snow is coming down like oh my god, I've never seen snowflakes so big in my life. <laughs> they're like they're like they're huge. Oh my gosh. I, wow, it's blowing my mind how big these snowflakes are. It, I just wow. Anyways, <laughs> look out the window. I'm like, I can't, what am I looking at? What am I seeing out this window? It's like, that's snow. That's the biggest snow I've ever seen. <laughs> like, all right. Anyways, forget about the snow. Back to Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got distracted by these giant snowflakes. Oh, my God. Totally. Well, Jim, I gave this I gave this issue a nine point two. I just really enjoyed the series overall and thought it was really good. What did you think? I absolutely love the Lower Decks comic books. I think that Lower Decks lends itself perfect to a comic book. Yeah. Uh, the the TV show feels like a comic book. The comic book feels like the TV show. It's the perf. I actually I would love to see them do a comic book, a monthly Lower Decks book. Yeah, it would be phenomenal. It, 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 I think it would be great because it it like this is a comic, pretty low stakes, appeals to many different um, age groups, right? And like in my opinion, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl can be read by a kid and an adult, and both will get multiple levels of humor, just like on the show, right? Yeah, I mean it's 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 great. I love the little like you were saying the, the little the little words in the bottom of each page, like making, you know, telling you, well, if this was really in the real world, we would have done it this way, but they didn't think about <laughs> right. that. You know, it's just, <laughs> right. it's, you know, the things that you're thinking about in your head and he's putting it on the page, you know, they say it, I yeah. think it's, it's great because it's kind of like she Hulk where it's where, where they, they break that wall. The fourth know? wall. Yep. They for break sure. the fourth and and they make fun of themselves in the book. It's great. I love it. And the the artwork, it looks just like the TV show. It's absolutely spot yeah. on perfect. Um, I love it. And there's a line in there where they're talking about boim. Um, we have to boimlerize it, or um, <laughs> yeah. I forgot the exact word, but um, yeah. and it just made me laugh because I'm like, that's exactly what you need to do. You need to go yep. full on Boimler. Um, I loved it. I absolutely, and I think you're right. The 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 planet thing kind of got. I didn't really care. It kind of like got lost in the whole shuffle because the Dracula thing was the whole story. I mean, um, you know, the, the Freeman on the planet and, and whatnot was, you know, a side story. I, yeah. I don't even remember anything I remember about the whole story is the Dracula, the blood, the fake blood, the <laughs> boilerizing things, the, you know, Rutherford making the emitter, you know, walking on the hull of the ship with the shield. Everything about the book that sticks in my mind is about what they did and really not much about Freeman on the planet. It was kind of like, but you know. But also, Jim, it's something, as you said, oh, we don't go back and visit these planets. This was a second contact. This was That's a right. visit to the planet. That's something I like that Lower Decks gets to do. 
as Jim says, well, we never go back and visit these planets. Yeah, well, that's what Lower Decks gets to do, because they do get to go back and see what happened. They do yeah, back, I, go back to do the second part. I loved this entire, this whole trilogy. I loved all three of these. Spectacular. If you're a Lower Decks fan, you need to run, don't walk, to your local comic book shop and pick these up or get them on Comicology um, because they are or see it absolutely... comes out in trade book, trade book. Or, yeah, they're spectacular. You will not yes. see. In fact, I think the comic books are just a little bit better than the TV show because of the, I don't know what you, the little blurbs. What do you call those? Yeah. The little, the little subtext. I don't know, the, the subtext at the bottom of the page, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when the writer throws his own little <laughs> thing in there, just makes it just which is something they can't do on the TV show, but they would if they could. Just makes it just so awesomely fun to read. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It makes fun of itself making fun of itself, and it's just an enjoyable, fun read. If you're a fan of lower deck now it yeah. might not appeal to all Star Trek fans, and that's that's fine too. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, but, if you if you, you tend know. to take your Star Trek really seriously, you know, Lower Decks is probably not going to appeal to you because there is there, you know, Lower Decks makes fun of Star Trek. It is Star Trek, but it makes fun of Star Trek too. So you got to kind of be comfortable with with that <laughs> vibe. <laughs> and if you dig that yeah. vibe, then you'll dig the comic. Yeah, I, and I'm 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 going to go with a nine point five. I'm going to go with Eric on this one. I I absolutely loved it. I, I read it twice. It, it was great. It was really good. So check it out if you can. And now it's time for is it computer oh, start? <laughs> oh, it's starting. Computer. <laughs> it is starting. I don't understand. You know what? It's got to be these giant snowflakes that that are flying around outside. It's got to be affecting my my computer here. Yeah. That's all I can think of. Let's try it again. Those, One more time. Those bouncing off the snowflakes. Yeah, it's got to be. If, if it doesn't work, then forget it. Let's try it one more time. Okay, forget it. Um, it'll probably play later. Here, here, <laughs> we can we can make this happen. Are you guys ready? Star Trek I don't understand why this thing isn't working. It worked fine on the other two. This is just weird. But not the first two. Yeah, not the first two, but the second two, and not now. I don't get it. It's okay. All right. Priority yeah, one it. message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Okay, I think Dracula has hacked into my computer. No, absolutely you not. Check, you got to check your, got check your isolator chip, Jim. I'm just, this <laughs> my, is just. I have to swap the red one for the blue one. <laughs> yeah. This, this is live radio, and this is what you get. <laughs> okay, I, I, 
this is just too weird for me. Anyway. Well, the good news is, Jim, <laughs> that, that telling all of our great listeners about these awesome news stories doesn't take any more technology than the sound of my voice. So let me tell you that a Paramount, a Paramount Plus exec offers an update on, guess what? Michelle Yeoh's spinoff series. Yay! Michelle Yeoh had a big night at the Golden Globes, including threatening to beat up the pianist when they tried to play her off stage. (laughs) And it turns out her future in Star Trek is still in the works. Yeoh is attached to lead a Star Trek series about the clandestine organization Section 31, reprising her role as Philippa Giorgio from Star Trek Discovery. The first news about the series broke in early 2019, and there were plans to film its pilot immediately after Discovery wrapped its third season. However, it proved poor timing since Discovery finished filming the season right as the world went into lockdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. Tanya Giles, Paramount's streaming chief programming officer, said at a Television Critics Association press tour that conversations are still happening about the series, confirming that it is, quote, still in development. Giles' comments echo what Nicole Clemens, Paramount Plus's president of original scripted series, said during last year's TCA press tour. She stated that, the Par- that Paramount Plus is, quote, still in development on Section 31 and teased that, quote, there will be more news on Section 31 soon. Section 31 was put on the back burner while Alex Kurtzman and Paramount wait for one currently streaming Star Trek show to run its course, uh, Star Trek Picard will end its third season, which premieres in February. Section 31 had a writer's room in place before Paramount press, Paramount pressed pause. Star Trek head producer Alex Kurtman, when last asked, was optimistic that the scripts were, were a go. He said, quote, we actually have a couple of Section 31 scripts. COVID, frankly, just changed the game for everybody and every show. Kurtzman explained during a Producers Guild of, uh, of America interview, we were on a very specific schedule that then got thrown completely into whack because of COVID. So I guess the TLDR on that is that we still expect to see Section 31, that they haven't forgotten about it, and, uh, you know, we still don't know when it's coming. So that's the latest and greatest on that one. Well, I got to say that Michelle Yeoh is one of the best things, I think, to happen to Star Trek. When she kicks Lorca in the face, when he's standing behind her in season one, absolutely blows my mind. One of the best fight scenes I've ever seen. I think the character, they set her up perfect with the Guardian of Forever and Carl, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And she's so popular, and she's such a sought-after actress that I... For them not to do it would be foolish. She's like red hot right now. And um, with Strange New Worlds going on, we know Laurel is hanging around there. We know that Ash Tyler is hanging around there. And we don't know where Carl sent her. So they have everything in place to to make this happen. Um, So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I just love her character. I love Philippa Giorgio, and I love the new Emperor Giorgio who learned, you know, had a, a, an awesome redemption arc. So mm-hmm. let's hope that, that they make this happen, you know. Yep. And and I, I read something interesting on one of the fan boards that um, I was on. People were complaining because in Discovery, in Season 1, Section 31 had the black badges, right? And mm-hmm. 
that they had a whole fleet of ships. Yet Section 31 is supposed to be, you know, in the dark, in the shadows, and you're not supposed to know. But Section 31 was completely wiped out, totally annihilated um, in Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. Mm-hmm. And so to bring Giorgio back to, to start it back up again, it would only make sense that being the emperor, that she would start it up and keep it in the shadows and not be seen and not be in the forefront and that it would be more like the Section 31 that we're used to seeing on Deep Space Nine. And I thought that makes sense. I could buy into that. Yeah, you know, that yeah, would be the, that, the technique. Absolutely, and I do think that it's consistent uh, when you look back to Enterprise because I mean, you know, Section Thirty One had some active recruiting going on in that show, much like what we're seeing in these more recent shows. So, from a canon standpoint, it's not surprising to me that you know Section Thirty One would have badges and ships and all that kind of stuff because they did back in Enterprise. So, you know, why not now? Yeah. And then going underground later in time, you know, as you, as you said, after such sweet sorrow. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't have to wait and see, but I, I, for one, I love Michelle Yeoh and I hope that it happens. But on the flip side, she's very busy right now. She's got a lot going on and to be able to get her for a, for an extended amount of time for a series, might be difficult. I don't. I don't know if they had a clause in her contract. I don't know, but I hope it happens because I love her. I think she's awesome. And speaking of Michelle Yeoh, I have a story. Uh, shut up, please. Michelle Yeoh ignores exit music, an iconic acceptance speech. Eric mentioned this in his story earlier. Michelle Yeoh won a Golden Globe, and there was no way she was getting off stage without saying everything she damn well wanted to about halfway through her acceptance speech for best actress in a motion picture musical or comedy for her performance in everything everywhere all at once exit music began to play shut up please she snapped with a laugh i can beat you up okay that's no joke considering her prolific martial arts acting career it's been an amazing journey she said i remember when i first came to hollywood it was a dream come true until I got there, because look at this face. I came here and I was told, you're a minority, and I'm like, no, that's not possible. And then someone said to me, you speak English? I mean, forget about them not knowing Korea, Japan, Malaysia, Asia, India. And then I said, yeah, the flight here was about 13 hours long, so I learned. I turned 60 last year, last year and I think of all the women understand this. As the days and years and the numbers get bigger, it seems like opportunities start to get smaller as well. And I probably was at the time where I thought, well, hey, come on, girl. You had a really, really good run. You worked with some of the best people, she added. And so it's good. It's all good. Then along came the best gift. Everything, everywhere, all at once. After expertly brushing off the interruption, you'll thank the film's writers and directors, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Sherritt, who had the courage to write about a very ordinary immigrant, aging woman, mother and daughter, who was being audited by the IRS. You know, I still haven't seen that movie yet. I'll have to, oh, you gotta I'll have see to watch it, it. You got to see it. It's a great, I mean, obviously it's a great movie. The All the critics are telling us that. But yeah, in my opinion as well, you got to see it. I, I, I love Michelle Yeoh. Um, so I'll have to check that out. But 
anyways, Charles, Charles, uh, I got a story I picked just for you. Yep. Star Trek reveals new details. First look at Day of Blood crossover. IDW Publishing has revealed new details about the first ever Star Trek summer comic book crossover event story. Star Trek story, Day of Blood. This arc, arc begins with the prelude to Day of Blood. An introductory story included in the IDW's Star Trek Day of Blood Free Comic Book Day issue, releasing on Free Comic Book Day, May 6th. The event then begins in earnest in July, unfolding the pages of the flagship ongoing Star Trek comic book series and the up-and-coming Star Trek Defiant spinoff series, which begins in March. Prelude to the Day of the Blood is co-written by Star Trek writers Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly and the Star Trek Defiant writer Christopher Cantwell, featuring artwork by Mike Freehand. In Prelude of Blood, the U.S. USS Santa Cruz visits the Covad Colony, a site where the Curazon Dax once tried to broker a lasting peace with the Klingons for the Cobathal Festival. While it's meant to be straightforward observation missions, things turn ugly when the God-Killer cult uses the event to reveal themselves to the galaxy. Star Trek Day of Blood is what this last year of comic book planning has been all about, the senior editor, Heather Antos. It leads to the moment, it all leads to this moment, was Cisco the correct choice of the prophets? Will Worf's Klingon honor serve him well, or will the two remain in crossfire, crossfires with the God Killer? Jackson, Colin, and Chris are asking some of the biggest questions we've ever seen. Answer them in franchise's first ever classic comic crossover event. Whew! Sounds like that's going to be an interesting storyline, and I guess step one. Got to get out on comic book day and find that comic. Mm-hmm. Make sure I've got it. Yeah. For sure, especially because some of those free issues, man, when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. I, I think it eventually showed up in comicology, but not right I away. Think, yeah, it takes a little while, but it will show up eventually. <clears throat> but why not grab it when it's hot? Yeah, then you get that paper copy, and you can talk to your friends about it a month before it comes mm-hmm. out on the digital format. Yep. In fact, I was lucky because last time that happened, I didn't get it, and ironically, somebody in the Star Trek club knew my love of comics and got me Broken Mirror Zero. Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. And well, we know I'm... what broken we know what broken mirror zero did. Oh with yeah, IDW boy was yeah. that a that was a series. Well, that whole thing broke open that whole mirror universe, like two, three series in the mirror universe, right? I mean, it was crazy. It was good. Oh, well, guys, the next story is just a fun one that I, I thought would be fun, and I originally intended it for Paul. But Eric is going to take this last story, and it's just a, just something fun that I thought we yeah. could have some fun with. 
Yeah, I thought this was really cool. We've got eight actors that you all know and love that you probably didn't know are huge Star Trek fans. So uh, number one is Tom Hanks. He said, my entire family worshipped at the feet of Star Trek. Superstar Tom, Tom Hanks told British talk show host Graham Norton in 2019, oh, I set the clock by Star Trek. It was on at 6 o'clock on Channel 2 in Oakland, he noted. He later name-dropped the classic episode, The Gamesters of Triskelion, and talked about having met William Shatner. So there you go. Tom Hanks, big fan. Who else? James Bond himself. Daniel Craig is a big fan. Craig did not have a secret cameo in Star Wars The Force Awakens. Oh, he did have a, a secret cameo, sorry, in Star Wars The Force Awakens. But his real dream has always been to appear in Star Trek. Craig told the World Entertainment News about his hidden agenda to take flight into the final frontier. He said, I would love a stint in the TV show or in a film, Craig told the outlet. It's been a secret ambition of mine for years. Could Craig one day join Trek? With so many new Star Trek shows in development, you know what? Anything is possible. Who else loves Trek? Rosario Dawson. That's right. In 2020, actress Rosario Dawson joined the Star Wars universe as Ahsoka Tano in The Mandalorian, but she won't be satisfied until she appears in Star Trek. I'm seeing a theme here. Mm-hmm. I could jump on Star Trek Discovery. I could be on Picard. She admitted she'd be willing to don heavy makeup just to play a background alien, saying, I could just be a background Romulan or Vulcan, whatever. It would be so fun. Just throw me in there. I can walk through as a Klingon. I can be a red shirt and get killed right away. <laughs> well, I think Damn. any of us would, would any of us would. I'd love to be a Well, just say thick makeup. Can we say uh, Nick Fleetwood? Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. Well, and she is just such a great Ahsoka Tano, man. I would love to see her in Star Trek. And I'm yeah. seeing a theme between you know, these people are like, yeah, Star Wars is great, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Mia Kunis would also like to be in Star Trek. Uh, they said many, many, be, uh, many, many, many people will be most familiar with Mia Kunis as the flighty brunette Jackie on that 70s show, or always bullied Meg on Family Guy. In 2011, Kunis came out to the world as a diehard Trekkie. She said, I got into Star Trek in my late teens, 18, 19, 20, something like that. I got into it later than most people, she acknowledged, but... Let's not talk about it in the past tense. I'm still a Star Trek fan. You never stop being one. Kunis ranked the various Trek series that existed at the time in what she called an ongoing argument with family creator guy (laughs) Seth MacFarlane. For Kunis, the next generation is her favorite. I would be very interested to know what Seth MacFarlane's favorite is. Yeah. Uh, Ben Stiller is a Trekkie. If you haven't been paying attention to Ben Stiller outside of his biggest films, you may never have realized what a huge Star Trek fan he is. Turn back the clock to 1996. Stiller hosted the Star Trek 30th anniversary TV special and went on a personal diatribe about his love for the franchise and growing up watching Kirk, Spock, and Mr. Sulu. To this day, Stiller continues to be open about his fandom, and in 2020, he appeared as the very first guest on the debut episode of The Pod Directive, an official Star Trek podcast hosted by Star Trek Lower Decks star Tawny Newsom. So Ben Stiller, man, that, that's kind of a fun, yeah. uh, given some of the other work that he's done. Olivia Wilde also a Star Trek fan. Sci-fi fans probably recall her 
return as the digital dame Quora in the 2010 film Tron Legacy. The interview uh, was to promote Wilde's film Cowboys and Aliens, and Gizmodo asked her about her participation in science fiction films like Tron, wondering if she might be interested in any other franchise. To the surprise of many, she name-dropped Star Trek, since she, quote, grew up as a Trekkie and had some unexpected ideas about what she could play. I think Star Trek, there were always great female roles, but there's no reason the captain shouldn't be a woman. I think we could do Captain Kirk as a woman. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Lots of universes out there. You never know. We saw it in the comics. We could see it on the screen. (laughs) Sam Witwer, also a Trekkie. It seems like every week someone you never expect is revealed to be a Star Trek fan. And in 2019, Sam Witwer added himself to that list. No stranger to iconic science fiction franchises, Witwer starred in Battlestar Galactica as Raptor pilot Crashdown and in Smallville as the arch-villain Doomsday, and as the voice of both Emperor Palpatine and Darth Maul in various Star Wars animated projects like Clone Wars and Rebels. In addition to providing voice work for the Star Trek Online video game, Whitwer appeared in Star Trek Enterprise as an unnamed alien Zindi, 2003. So yeah, already in there. And, you know, there's been a little bit about this guy going around lately, and uh, big star, big fan, Nicolas Cage, a self-professed comic geek, has played the comic book hero Ghostwriter and appeared in a supporting voice in Into the Spider-Universe, but has never appeared in a major sci-fi or fantasy franchise. I'm a Trekkie man, Cage told Yahoo's Kevin Plowney in an interview posted to Twitter. Cage noted that he's been a fan of The Final Frontier since he was young, and he would watch William Shatner on the series, but loved the movie starring Chris Pine as well. Cage insisted that there was no room in his fandom to betray his favorite sci-fi saga. I'm on the Enterprise. That's where I roll. (laughs) You go, go, guy. Yep. Well, the thing is, look look at especially Next Generation. Next Generation came out, and so many people came out of the woodwork and said, I want to be on Star Trek. I don't care what I do. I want to be on that series. And we get a lot of famous people who end up in that series in small roles. Look look at David Ogden for MASH. Showed up in there. And lots more to come uh, on. A team, a team. We had uh, Mad Murdock. Mm-hmm. We got Barkley. People wanted to be in Star Trek. Star Trek was a big influence. It still is, and we still got people out there that would love to squeeze into an episode and say, "I was on Star Trek." Because look yep. at how many people Star Trek inventions can walk in a Star Trek adventures. I was in one movie. I was in Star Trek Four, playing next to William Shatner. She's gotten all kinds of attention at, at movies. We've got, oh, I played a Gorn. One episode of a Gorn, and yet he still shows up at conventions. Bobby Clark. A lot yep. of people want that from the air to say, hey, I want to say I was on Star Trek. And I think Star Trek needs to go out back and do it. 
I think they can fit these people in and get some famous famous people that are probably willing to do it for a little bit of nothing to get in there and show up on screen. And with all these shows, there's plenty of opportunities to squeeze them in. Yeah. So and guys, if you don't want to pe- and if you don't want you know to appear what? as your face on there, we got two animated series they could show up on too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could do a voice. Yep. Well, that that lady's whispering in my ear. Well, that she's yelling in my ear that uh, our time is up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just want to let you guys know that next week we have a great show planned. <clears throat> Oddly enough, I was talking with Eric about doing a Star Trek Attack Wing show. We decided to do it next week. And, uh, bing, I get a message. And uh, Josh Durkins, who is the game creator for Star Trek Alliance, um, The Dominion War, Part 1, Part 2, and Part 3. Part 1 came out last year-ish. Part 2 is on its way out, I think, next month. And it's a Klingon type of a game. And he's going to be on to talk with us about Alliance and Star Trek Attack Wing. So if you're a fan of Attack Wing, you definitely don't want to miss next week's show. It's going to be a lot of fun. So i got to take a moment here to say thank you so much to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Eric. You bet, guys. Had a great time, as always. Have a good night. And thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. Not only do I love talking Star Trek, Star Trek shows, I love talking Star Trek comics as well. It was fun. And and I apologize for the grumbling. I don't know why uh, my my, uh, iPad has been acting up tonight. I apologize. It's got to be the giant snowflake. That's all I can think of. It's, It's weird. That's never happened before. So I apologize for that. Anyways, I'm your most... Excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. And please, everybody, stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Bye, all Long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 